Hello again, and welcome to the Common Sense Gospel. I'm Sam Tipton. And I'm Danny Simmons. Thanks for joining us again. Today we're going to look at transforming our minds. One of the toughest challenges of Scripture, I think, because our, our minds are, are inward. No one else sees them but God. They're the, really the final ba- battlefield in, in fighting against sin and our adversary. And like I said, it, it's tough. So it, it's worth our time and looking into this and what the scripture gives to us as, as tools in doing that. Um, so the verse that, that may have occurred to you already that has this language in it, Romans 12, uh, the first couple of verses there, where Paul tells us to, to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind how can we be doing that? This is something that we need to be meditating on. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into this study with you. There's there's so much to cover here. Uh, yes, yes. I think I'm in full agreement with you. It, it is a huge challenge for us, and yet the Lord has given it to us that we might bear fruit of righteousness, that we might be faithful in our service to him. Romans 12, uh, the renewing of your mind or being transformed by the renewing of your mind is found in verse 2. But what I would like to do is back up to Romans 11 and verse 36 because it helps put this this in a context uh, that will assist us in our effort to to transform our mind or the renewing of our mind. Verse 36 of Romans 11, Paul says, For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. So for through and to him, to God the Father, are all things. And all glory belongs to him. So so in Romans 12 and verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, because everything belongs to him, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And so Romans 12, 1 helps I believe, lay a good foundation for tackling this idea of you know, transforming uh, the renewing of our mind or being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Uh, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Jesus has given himself as a sacrifice for our sins. And so we're supposed to look to ourselves and say, all that I have is not mine. Uh, my life, the heart within me, my soul, It's given to me. I'm accountable for it. And yet God owns all things. Everything is his. The the earth, the heavens, everything belongs to him. So it does kind of set the tone for someone like me to think about this and say, well, I'm going to use what he's given me to serve him who has given it. And so that, that sets a nice tone for me to start to think about how I would give my body as a daily living sacrifice to God. And so what, so what does that mean? Give your body to God. Someone may say, well, I go to church and I study, so I'm giving my body to God. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. that. That certainly is part of it. But if you think about presenting your body, what, you know, your physical body, as a living sacrifice, we can look at any part of our body and see how we're doing with that. So an example would be, uh, I would say, give him your eyes. Psalm 101 in verse 3, David says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. 
That is a godly declaration Mm -hmm. that I'm not going to let anything wicked be set in front of my eyes. That's a challenge for us. But when I make that determination in my life, now I am offering my body as a living sacrifice to God. My eyes are not mine. It's like you said, with a mind, it's the hardest battlefield because that's still ours and it's kind of private and we can kind of do what we want in our mind. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. God knows all things. He knows the thoughts and the intentions of your heart. Come to terms with that and then begin to play this out. I'm going to give him my eyes. I'm just not going to set anything wicked before my eyes. And so what about our ears? You know, what is it we choose to listen to? Or when godly instruction comes and we say, I don't like that, so I won't listen to it. Well, that's not good. If I'm going to give my ears to God as a living sacrifice, I listen to good counsel. I do the good things that he's told me to do the good things my parents tell me to do, and so on. And so Proverbs 1, in verse 10, Solomon says, My son, think about our ears. If sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. And so Solomon says here that pay attention to what you're listening to. Mm -hmm. These things change who you are when you consent with sinners to be a part of the activity that they want to do. Uh, Do you offer your hands, the work of your hands, as a living sacrifice to God? Paul tells the Ephesus or the Ephesian elders how he handled himself when he was with them in Acts chapter 20 and verse 33, thinking about offering our hands to God. Acts 20, 33 says, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That is application to the use of our hands. That I would would work and use my hands so that I might help and assist others to contribute to those who are in need. Uh, You know, I read about the feet in Proverbs chapter 1. And again, in Proverbs 4 and verse 27, we're going to give our feet to the Lord. We're going to be careful where we walk. Proverbs 4.27, do not turn to the right hand or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. So my body, I'm giving my body as a living sacrifice. Everything belongs to him. We've looked at our eyes, our ears, our hands, and our feet. And what about our tongue? The things we say when we get angry, someone is infuriating us. It is the greatest challenge. James will tell us that if a man can control or guard his tongue, he's perfect in every way. And it just says to us how hard that is. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 50 and verse 4 says, The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. That is a living sacrifice to God. God himself has given me the tongue of the learned. So that I could do what? Prove everybody wrong? That's not what it says. That I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary, to the person who is hurting and who needs it. James tells us in James 1, 19 and 20, 
My beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So we have all of these different parts of our bodies that we can offer as a living sacrifice. And I'd like to just tack on Proverbs 4 and verse 20. Proverbs 4.20, we'll just look at all the body parts. Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. This, this is the manifestation of someone who's giving their life to God as a living sacrifice. And the proverb writer there mentions the heart, and that's the center of it all, isn't it? Mm -hmm. What is the greatest commandment? Jesus tells us that it is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, and all thy strength. That is the greatest commandment in all of the law. And so we want to daily, as a sacrifice to God, give him our heart. And when we let him steer our lives and control how we respond, the way that we speak to others, it is a beautiful process of less of me, more of him. I have Jesus to watch. I have an example set before me. I know how to behave. I know when to be angry. I know when to dismiss something as uh, ignorance or maybe a wise fable that is just a waste of time, the arguments about lineage and those things that I can begin to discern, not because I'm a, a genius, not because I've grown in wisdom by my own personal think so, but because I'm dedicated to presenting my, bodies, my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And to me, that's step one. Let's think about offering our bodies as a living sacrifice in everything we do. And then we can jump into the real point of this podcast, which is transforming or, or be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. Well, thank you for walking us through that. Like you said, the, the greatest commandment is to love like God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, that's, that's also found in Deuteronomy 6. That's right. Um, so this, this this idea of giving God your heart has was in the old covenant as well as the new, and that's that's what God's after, right? Because he doesn't I don't, he doesn't want robots to serve him. He would he could if he wanted that he could have created perfect sinless beings to worship him, but he didn't. He gave us a heart and the ability to choose, and and we we sin, yeah. but he. He's desiring a people that are after after his righteousness. And that, that comes with the ability to choose. And um, God tests our heart. As we can read in 1 Samuel 16, 7, when Samuel was looking for the king to anoint the sons of Jesse, yes. he was looking at the, the taller or older kids maybe. And he didn't see Daniel. He was he was busy out in the field and or David. David, sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> and God reminded him that man sees the outward appearance, but but the Lord sees the heart. And so as as we 
desire to, to know God better and, and to be servants and to give him back what's already his. <laughs> uh, our, our heart is going to be, be in that too. Yeah. Uh, I said at the beginning, this, this is the difficult part. This is difficult because it seems that our natural inclination since, <laughs> since the garden has not been, been that way. All have sinned, Romans 3.23 tells us. And Romans Romans seven twenty three says that we're, we're uh, the 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 flesh obeys the law of sin. There's another law in his member. He says, and it brings him into captivity. I, I believe that the flesh there is his mind. His mind is brought into the captivity of sin. Yeah. There there's an allurement there. Uh, there definitely is. And so, what what the scripture calls the natural man is not. Uh, inclined towards the righteousness of God. We're conformed to this world naturally because we, uh, when we're children, we're not, uh, we don't know the scripture. (laughs) We're not, we haven't come to faith. We don't know Jesus Christ. So we we are conformed to the world in one way or the other. Uh, I'm sure we can all look back at our own lives and see there's a time, it might be in school, it might be earlier in our careers, but we felt a pressure to conform, to fit in. Of course. And this isn't just on a superficial level. I'm talking about a spiritual level, serving self, uh, loving pleasure more than loving God, not considering our creator. Uh, these are the natural inclinations of our flesh. And we wanting to serve God, he's challenged us to move past that. Like Abraham, he called Abraham out of Ur to a place he didn't know. And he trusted God and he moved because he, he knew that, he was a stranger wherever he was because he desired to go to the heavenly country yeah. he, who, to that heavenly city that God had built. And we have that same faith as we should have the same faith as Abraham. But guess what? We know where we're going <laughs> and we know the me. We, we know Jesus Christ. We have uh, seen God in our life. We can read his words. And so we have more than Abraham. We sure and do. so what sort of life should we live with, with all that? We have a lot of responsibility, and the scripture uh, encourages us to press forward and, and change ourselves. And we can, we can change. I don't care where you've been in life, what problems you've had. Scripture promises us that we can be transformed because we've been we've been told here that we should not be conformed to the world, and we should be transformed. God can renew our mind, give us a new heart. His Spirit can uh, can can change our will and he can, he can heal us. And, uh, so let's continue to, to look at that. We, we need to, there's a danger in conforming to the world, uh, because how, whoever we obey, in this case, sin, we're, we, we offer ourselves as slaves to sin, don't we? Romans six gives us that, that warning that being obedient to the flesh lead, leads to death. If, if we're serving ourselves in the adversary this world is the is the last home our bodies are going to turn to dust and if if we're concerned about pleasing our flesh and pleasing uh the satan the 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 ruler of this world he's we're going to remain in this place our spirit will return to god and it'll be sent back uh to this to the place of destruction that we don't want that we want to serve serve the the one in heaven god who dwells in immortality, we want to be in that eternal home. So it's important to, to serve serve him and be conformed 
to, to his word and offer ourselves as obedient servants to him. That's right. And not just, not just in action, again, because God does not, not want uh, robots. <laughs> no. Just to, to, to use a turn of a phrase, I, um, remember that part of obeying the gospel is repenting. And so I, th- I think repentance carries with it this transformation of mind. A lot of times we may not associate that mm. early on in our walk with God, but um, maybe I'm just speaking from personal experience there. Um, but consider Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Well, repentance <clears throat> is that idea of turning from the direction that you're heading and, and walking in the other direction. Yeah. Now, if we if we don't change our transform our minds and we unconform ourselves we're going to have trouble repenting continuing 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 that walk with god we're going to struggle in the in the walk um we might look behind us like lot's wife we might look back to our old life we might forget that we were forgiven of our sins that old man was crucified buried with buried in baptism we might like, like you said, one of your sermons once. Go check on him, see how he's doing. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the old crucified man. Yeah. Um, so, so repentance, and I think I can say successful repentance, lifelong, is involves a transformation of mind. Yeah. And if we're serious about about walking with God, we're gonna we're gonna take that on, and it's something that we have to actively be engaged with. And we're we'll talk about that here in a little while about. How can, how can we help this process along? Um, so it's a, it's a continual battle. First John 1, 9. Well, First John 1, towards the end of that chapter, the, you know, we're reminded that if we say that we don't have sin, we lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the truth's not in us. Because we, a liar. we're not going to be perfect and without, without sin in this world. Um, that's what we need, Jesus. And, right. But we have an advocate with the Father, and if we confess, he's, he's just and righteous to forgive us. That's right. And so it's not like the old covenant where uh, if you fail in any part of the law, you're condemned. There, there, was no, there, there was no final sacrifice for sin. There was a continual remembrance. Every, every time you went to the, the tabernacle, you, you, there were... You know, we can go through Leviticus maybe in some episode. <laughs> well, Hebrews We're not says under that it, covenant it didn't anymore. clear the conscience. That's right. right? There, there was a, it was a reminder of the sin that you you sinned, and now this animal's dying in, in your place. Yeah. Blood has to be shed for that sin. Uh, it was insufficient. It was a shadow mm-hmm. of what was coming. You, you mentioned the transformation that, you know, be transformed in your mind. Well, if, if I repent, if I turn away from my wickedness and I turn toward God, that is transformation. And the Bible says mm-hmm. so. Romans 6 and verse 4, you mentioned the, the crucified, the old man. Romans 6, 4, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. That sounds like a transformation to me. Yeah. Verse 6 says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Right. So that we've transformed into a new man. Uh, a, a new person, someone who is now put on Christ. Mm-hmm. That transformation is very real, and no one should cut themselves short. To, to be a Christian and to be maybe stumbling in something and say, well, I haven't transformed at all. Yeah, yes, mm-hmm. you have. 
If you've truly repented and you've truly obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, that transformation has begun. You may be in rebellion. Your heart may be stiffening about something. But isn't that even part of the transformation process is running into a wall and saying, oh, how did I get here or what? What, where did I misstep? Isn't that part of it as well? I think so. Isn't it Hebrews 12 says whoever, you know, God loves us like sons and he, ch- he chastens every son, son that he accepts. That's right. Uh, and if you're not chastened, you're illegitimate, Hebrews right. 12 says. So mm-hmm. chastening is part of the process. Yeah. And, and so don't be discouraged if the word of God is saying you shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. The Holy Spirit's been given for that very purpose. And, and being concerned about sin in your life is... A symptom of growth, I think. Sure. If you're not concerned, that's a pro- that's a problem. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm, I'm that's, glad that's you a, pointed that out. That's a good segue to growth, because uh, that's another term that can be cha- interchangeable with transformation, right? When we see a little seed, you know, go from a, a tiny speck into a tree, like the mustard seed, that's a transformation. Right. <laughs> and how long does it take? A while. It's not instant. <laughs> it is not instant. A while. But something's happening. Yeah. It's a great thing. We're not frustrated when the seedling comes up and we say, oh, I thought it was going to be a tree. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. Yeah. It takes time. It takes sunshine. It takes watering. It takes nutrients. Right. And it's not all on the tree. You know, that's There's, right. It needs to rain. There, there could be a keeper. And we know we have a keeper. And God sends the rain. <laughs> Nice. God's given us his word. And, and like the farmer who plants the crops, he doesn't know how the, those things grow. But, exactly. But God does know, and uh, he wants us to find him. If we seek, uh, we, will, we will find. Um, so when we're saying transformation and growth, you know, kind of, I think about those things as being very, very similar. Mm. And the scripture challenges to grow. I think of Second Peter 1, uh, to, to be diligent to, uh, uh, what does he say there, add to your faith virtue and the virtue knowledge mm-hmm. the knowledge self-control and so on and so on and, and you're pressing towards love there peter says um that doesn't happen overnight adding adding virtue and knowledge and self-control brotherly kindness that's a lifelong for some <laughs> and i was speaking of myself that's a that's a lifelong transformation that doesn't happen overnight yeah um So going back to, I just want to reiterate the, the danger of not being, conf- not be, or remaining conformed to this world. Mm. We, we don't we don't want to do this 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 world while it is a beautiful creation of God. Uh, sin has entered it, and there there is corruption and dysfunction, and uh, it's not our final home. Going back to Abraham, we're, we've been called into an eternal kingdom yeah. that will have, uh, that, that is not where we are right now. Uh, it, it is not this world. Uh, the kingdom is not of this earth. And in some ways, our hearts, the, the heart of the natural man reflects this. Uh, Jeremiah seventeen eleven, well-known verse, but it's important in this conversation because this is what we're trying to transform, the, the heart, the mind. And with that, everything else in our life that follows, um, Jeremiah says, or the Lord says there, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. So again, this heart is 
God, God wants his heart. He wants the transformational heart. And uh, it doesn't begin in a good state because it is conformed to this world. And it's, yeah. it's, fa- it's fallen. Um, Christ says something similar that uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that uh, the Pharisees were saying, why do your disciples eat with unwashed hands? And he says, it's not what goes into the mouth or into the stomach that defiles a man, but what comes out of it. And the things that come out of it are what defile a man, and that is evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, lies, blasphemies. These are the things that defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. And that comes from the heart. All from the heart. Yeah. That's exactly right. If I may, you've got the transformation, you know, transforming, um, being a transformer, being transformed through this process that... There's a lot of scripture that talks about that very concept. You know, the Apostle Paul, we look to him, and he is an amazing disciple of Jesus Christ. I mean, there's no stopping this man. He's fully and wholeheartedly dedicated to Christ and and how we want to be like him. But what does he say to the Philippian church in Philippians 3? I have not already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has laid hold of me. Mm That's a a beautiful picture. He knows that Christ already has laid hold of him, but he's pressing towards that, taking full hold of what is there for him. Mm -hmm. You know, he's he's not fully recognized that as the inspired apostle. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. I forget those things that are behind. I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal of the high calling of Jesus Christ. That's growth. That is transformation in a man who is absolutely turning the world upside down through this gospel message and through his persistence and determination. We envy Paul, but yet he is in the process too. He he wasn't just like automatically, okay, you're the greatest disciple ever. He understood that there was work involved and he, he, he set his heart and his life and his mind to those things to be that living sacrifice. So he has every right in Romans 12 to say, I beseech you, brethren, Do what I'm doing. Yeah. He tells Corinthian church, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And then I would also mention Hebrews 5. The, the Hebrew writer tells the Hebrews there in verse 12, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Mm-hmm. So we don't ever want to lead someone to believe that well, I've been baptized and, and I've done this, this, and this, and so I'm pretty good. I'm just going to coast. No. There is nowhere in Scripture where you see that. Mm-hmm. This picture of by this time, the Hebrew writer is inspired, certainly, but he's also able to say on the timeline, enough time has gone by that you should be instructing people by now. So that would be the transformation through the renewing of our mind in, in, the, in the gospel of Christ, mm-hmm. that we would give our lives every day a sacrifice to God, determined to serve him in every way that we can because we belong to him. And in that process, there's growth, there's development, and there's the ability to discern and then begin to instruct. Yeah. And be a benefit to others. Yeah, and, yeah. and not, Bring not in a high-minded God. way, but to say, mm-hmm. I've gone through this. this I, I experienced the same thing, and here's what I faced. You're a great person to do that when you've used the word of God to grow and, and to be transformed in that process, every one of us, if we're honest, would say, I'm not there yet. Well, welcome to the club. We're in the <laughs> same boat as the Apostle Paul. But I press on, mm-hmm. and I want you to encourage me, and I'm going to encourage you. 
And so everybody wins. It's that stagnant, um, you know, I I confessed at one point, which the Hebrew brethren had done that, because he says, lay hold of your confession. Mm -hmm. He tells them to to not forget about that when they endured through the hostile times. But somehow they've kind of cooled off. And so we don't ever want to mislead someone to think that you're probably transformed enough. No, it's just, it's an ongoing thing until the day we die. Yeah, you. I think we'd be deceiving ourselves if we said, uh, I, "I'm free from temptation. There's nothing left I can learn. There's You're nothing. A liar. Left, there's nothing <laughs> I can do." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and if it's true, guard. please come yeah. teach us, right? <laughs> please right. show us what you learned, because right. the rest of us are struggling. Just a few more things I, I'd like to mention. Uh, things to consider here about transforming our mind. In, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse, verse 13, it says the carnal mind is enmity with God. We're enemies of God if we remain carnally minded. And you'll, you'll recall, in, uh, I, think, I think it's 1 Corinthians 3, just in that next chapter, Paul says, I, I have to speak to you as carnal. Uh, and because you're, you haven't learned enough, you haven't grown enough. And He's talking to saints, but he's saying you're too carnal-minded. So yeah. there's, there's a danger for us. Yes. Where either we haven't grown enough, where we need to, uh, I think Peter says, desire the sincere milk of the word that we can grow thereby. Uh, or we can slide back into carnality. We can uh, have our mind just set on the wrong things. That is a great place uh, to point out. Yeah. It, and we don't want to be enemies of God. And that, I bring that up because that language is scary, and I, I consider that a lot to be enemies of our, our Creator who loves us uh, and who has given us all things, to be an enemy of His. Um, you're in the wrong camp. Yeah. So, so what's your mindset on it? If we're if you're over overly worried about this world or uh, you know your day to day routine. Uh, what are you entertained by? How do you spend your time? These are all kind of, uh, what can you say, buoys, if you will, yeah. that kind of show you where, where are you at. There, uh, how's how's your walk with God? Well, where where are you? Where, how are you spending your time? What is your mind set on? Uh, and considering Scripture, First Corinthians two, that same that same passage, First Corinthians two fourteen, uh, speaks to. Uh, transforming our mind so that we can better understand scripture. Mm. Uh, we, we looked at the parable of the sower, believes the parable of the sower. Christ says to those who uh, have more will be given. Uh, I believe that means as, as we can, as we grow and study scripture, we can understand more scripture. More of it is unlocked. I mean, that may be one meaning of, of that. Sure. Uh, I want to, I'd like to read that first Corinthians two fourteen. 14. Uh, it says, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Uh, let's skip to um, 3, verse 1. Mm-hmm. And I, brethren, cannot speak to you as spiritual, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for now you are not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. So... If, if we're if we remain in that carnal state we we can't receive all that scripture has for us 
Yeah. And so right. you, you're carnal. You're acting like mere men. That's what he tells mm-hmm. them. And it's an embarrassing statement from, from the Apostle Paul. So what were they doing? Well, chapter 1, they're divided. Some of them yeah. say, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas. And he mm-hmm. says, look, is Christ divided? And so he separates himself from that whole mess and says, stop fighting over these foolish things. That's carnal. Yeah. That is not someone who's transformed into the Spirit of God that knows why they're here and what they're supposed to be doing. In chapter 5, they've got a man who's with his mother's wife, mm-hmm. and they're puffed up because he's allowed to worship with them and be a part of the church. And Paul says, you've got to cast him out. You've got to bind him and turn him over to Satan. That's the godly thing to do. Why? Because you don't like the guy? No, because that's what God expects. That is someone who's being transformed and is growing spiritually. Chapter 6, they're suing each other. You can't judge among yourselves. You are under Christ, and you have to take each other to a a godless man to judge your situation. Mm -hmm. So... I think that's good, and I love yeah. your example because we can look at, well, what's carnal versus spiritual? Well, mm-hmm. look at 1 Corinthians. Yeah. And in the, the, the whole book. <laughs> yeah, really, the whole book. Yeah. Chapter 7, he talks to him about how to handle the things that they've written to him about, you know, th- through marriage. If someone's, an unbelieving spouse has left you, you know, what do we do? Um, and so all, all of that instruction is there. And he says, I'm going to have to speak to you as someone who's still sipping on the bottle. Mm-hmm. And he is concluding that it's past time for that. You should start to take hold of the meat of the word. There's so much more to grow into. Yeah. So that, that process is crystal clear in Scripture. That's good for us because we can examine ourselves mm-hmm. and say, where am I? You know, Am I still wrestling over, oh, I don't think we should discipline people in the church? Well, let's look at that. You know, Is this person in sin? Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 20, those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all. So that the rest may fear. That's spiritual mindset. Deal with that person. They cannot be in our midst. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So we grow in all of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, never in a hard-hearted way, but we speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. Sorry, I I ripped that away from you. No, no, that was great. That was great. This is is so critical. I mean, (laughs) and... So let's finish up with one more point on this, the danger. And this, this one, this is the, uh, you could find this in a Bible school class, Sunday morning, little children singing uh, in their, their songs. We're to be lights in the world. We, we, need, we can't be conformed to this world because we're, Jesus tells us to be lights. We're supposed to bring glory to God. We're supposed to be different. Light doesn't shine. It has to be bright. It has to stand out from the darkness. And, and, Peter admonishes us to gird up the loins of our mind. That, allu- that illustration there, uh, one translation says, uh, get ready for action. <laughs> That's right. Prepare yourself to run. Yeah, I, yeah. Like, I like that. Uh, Absolutely. Get your mind ready. And he's, he goes on, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the formal, former lust, as in your ignorance, so before we're getting out of that, but as he who called you to be holy, be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. He wouldn't tell us that if it wasn't possible. Yeah. Uh, John tells us if we purify ourselves, uh, even as he is pure, even as he is pure, we are righteous, yeah. just as he is righteous. That's an incredible thought, uh, but this is the goal. That's the, that's the aim, and that's what we're talking about here today. Um, so 
maybe the maybe the first question: What are we being transformed into? <laughs> <laughs> well, like we were just mentioning, we're it, Romans eight twenty nine says we're being conformed. He's conforming us into the image of His Son. That's we're right. Christians. Or if you're if you're listening, <laughs> you're curious about Christianity. We're we're trying to be like our Savior. We're we're trying to draw people to Christ. That's right. Knowing that that's not. Uh, this is this is our goal. This is our attainment. This is what we press on towards. That's what God created us to be, isn't it? We were created in that image. That image was tar. This was marred by sin. It was uh, in the garden when sin entered. Um, God right then had a plan to restore us and reconfor- bring us back in in to be an image of God, his, his, his people. I know. He's created us for that purpose. That's right. Um, Ecclesiastes 7.29 says, We were made upright, but we sought out many schemes. I, I find it humorous that Solomon puts it in those words. <laughs> but it's a, it's a, it goes right back to the point. God made us upright to not be without sin. We, we <laughs> our sin, it's our fault that... In, in our actions, we, we left God. That's right. It's not his fault. Yeah. It is not his fault. And, and Paul tells the Colossians that he's, his desire is to present us perfect and complete in Christ. So th- th- those are what I think of. What are we being transformed into? Into, our, into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I appreciate you to listen to us this far. I hope you didn't turn that off <laughs> during, my, <laughs> during my rant there. But uh, th- this is a fascinating subject. It's something that I, I'm passionate about because what, what is something else in, that you can do in life that's as wor- worthwhile or as this, which is to, to learn how to have the mind of Christ. The one who lived the perfect life, who has drawn so many people, who made a spectacle out of the rulers of the world, you know, who made Satan go running, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's not that I, that uh, it's a, a selfish thing. This is this is wanting to know God and. There, there's a way to do that. God's given us his word as his transformation mechanism, right? Yeah. The, the gospel is the power for salvation. And if salvation involves this transformation, then it's the word that'll do that. It's the gospel. Yeah. We, we have to accept that, obviously. We understand that there's error in our life and that there's sin that has scarred our soul, that God's given us a way, and that he's given us a way to stay out of that mess and to improve ourselves in, in every perfect way that we would long for that because we are sorry for the things we've done and, and not having the Savior with us when we're making decisions before in life. That's why we've come to him. So to, to become stagnant or, or to say, well, never mind, or, you know, that, that doesn't even make any sense. Mm-hmm. There is only one way to, to go to the Father. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but through me, John 14 and verse 6. And so you had mentioned earlier that we, when, we, when we talk about this on the podcast, 
because we don't know who may be listening, there could be someone who's not really done much about any of this, but they're interested, they're curious. And so we would say to them with as much excitement as we can muster up, I have found a glorious treasure. Come with me. I want to show you what I've seen. I want to show you what I found. You're going to have to do some things, though. You've got to prepare yourself. Uh, be ready to move mm-hmm. because this is what I found in, in the revelation of this treasure that I have found, that, that I was not what I needed to be to approach his marvelous light. And yet now through what Christ has done, the accomplishment that Christ had accomplished as God sent him to do has made this all possible. And we can bring as many who will be willing to come with us. That's exciting. Yeah, it is. I, I would say listen to our podcast on the parable of the sower. Believe, yeah. uh, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like, a sower who went out to sow. You know? That's right. <laughs> the, word, the word is the seed, and that seed falls on the ground, and it starts transforming. Something's going to happen to it. That seed starts working immediately. And uh, there's some warnings given there. There's, there's the, the thorny ground. And I think that's what we're talking about. You know, if that seed on the thorny ground. Because in some ways, that's all of us. Because we're all in a world with thorns. And as that seed starts to grow, the thorns are going to try to strangle it. We're trying to transform our mind, push away those thorns so that we can grow. And what's, what's happening there is God, is God is causing the growth. You know, we're, but we can move those thorns out of the way. And God can move those thorns out of the way too. That's right. You'd be surprised. And he's um, done all of that for us because every gardener knows that you can't let weeds grow with next to your it's tomatoes. It's as simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> they can't be there yeah. because you want your tomatoes to be gorgeous. Yeah. And those weeds are damaging that fruit yeah. because underground they are stealing the very thing that your tomato And if all needs. you have is thorns, you may not know how good tomatoes taste. You might, yeah, <laughs> you might, yeah. You're eating gross You might be tomatoes. happy with the thorns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you haven't tasted that gracious and yeah. glorious gift of God. I'm telling you, to take hold of someone and say, let me show you the glorious heights of moral purity, not because I say so. Yeah. The same thing we read together applies to both of us the same way. God does not show partiality, mm-hmm. but he loves you. He wants you to come to the knowledge of the truth. Yeah. Come with him, right? What, what is your other choice? Be conformed to the world? You're in slavery to sin. If, if, yeah, come on. Yeah. Be, be serious about it and apply your mind and, and start thinking about what am I going to do? What happens when all this ends? Okay. All right. You want to go first? Yep. We're asking questions for everyone who's listening. We do want you to do well. We also kind of want to stump you. All right. Question number one. What kind of tree? All right. Tell me who you're thinking about right now. Go for wood. <laughs> I knew it. No. It's a New Testament question. Okay. What kind of tree did Zacchaeus climb into in order to see Jesus? Oh, I know this one. Uh We could sing the song together. Yeah, I am in my head. Is it sycamore? Sycamore tree. tree. That's right. <laughs> the passage is Luke 19 and verse 4. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. <laughs> Climbed into a sycamore tree. Yeah. That's right. Luke 19 and verse 4. Very good. Okay, my, my first question to you. What did the Sanhedrin 
order the apostles to no longer do in Acts 5? In my own words, preaching mm-hmm. his name, preaching the name of Jesus. What, what's judges? <laughs> Ju- oh, you're <laughs> asking the judges? I was like, book of judges? No, okay. yeah, no, that, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, to not speak in his name. Yep. Do not speak Do in not his name. Do not speak in the name of Jesus. Wow. Did they obey him? No. No. <laughs> you tell us. Is yeah. it better to obey men or to obey God? That's right. Everybody knows the answer to that. Men will just get you lost, right? Right. All right, number two for you. A little more difficult. Okay. A little more pressure here. Isaiah the prophet told Hezekiah, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. What did Hezekiah do next? So he, if I, if I try to <laughs> recite the verse, I'll get it wrong. I, I think he tore his garments and he repented and he prayed and God extended his life 15 mm. years. Hmm. <laughs> so I'm guessing you're trying to get extra quiet. credit by adding the 15 follow up questions? <laughs> no, <laughs> that would have been it. But um, so he tore his garments and repented. He prayed. And I believe he the prayers, the prayers recorded, I believe. Prayer is is definitely a part of the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, he turned his face to the wall oh, okay. and he prayed. Okay, and he he was weeping because the Lord tells Isaiah, "Go back." Mm-hmm. Isaiah had not even left the temple yet, uh, where, or the precincts at where Hezekiah was, and the Lord says, "Go back and tell him he's got another fifteen years." I've seen your tears and I've heard your prayer, but Hezekiah basically says, "Remember your servant and that I was faithful to you," and he's you know he's just pouring his heart out to God that. He's been told by Isaiah that it's time to set his house in order. And that, mm-hmm. man, what a scary thing. But yeah, 2 Kings 20 and verse 2 mm-hmm. just simply says he turned his face to the wall and he prayed. So yeah. repentance, yeah, certainly part of that. Good question. Thanks. Um, my, all right, my, my final question. How did the demon-possessed man named Legion, how did he address Jesus? He called him the son of the most high God. What have I to do with thee? Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> yes. Good. That wasn't a hard one. <laughs> I thought, yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm just really sorry. Not for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very good. That, that was it. Uh, that's found in Luke 8, 28. Yeah, and that's important to me because just before that, you remember the disciples are on the sea and the storm begins to tear the boat apart and they mastered you. Do you even care that we're perishing? And so he's, he calms the wind and the waves. And it says the disciples, even a greater fear came upon them when he stopped everything with his words. And they say, who can this be mm-hmm. that even the wind and the waves obey him? Then he goes out to this man in the Gadarenes. Right. And the demons know who he is. So so. The disciples are still like on the fence, you know, who is this guy? And the demons say, you are the son of the most high God. And that, that's why that's really stuck out in my mind, yeah. that uh, they're with Jesus and they're still not really sure. And we understand that, you know, there was a lot to take hold of, uh, prophecy that wasn't completely understood. But boy, the demons knew exactly who he was. And he, they did what he told them. Awesome. It is awesome. 
All right. We hope you did well and you enjoyed those questions. I think they're going to get even harder now. Yeah. <laughs> we keep threatening that. Yeah. I don't want to do that, though. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's just about right. Um, we're trying to transform our mind. We're, they have to get. <laughs> that's right. You know, as you, as you learn more scripture, you want to know more. I mean, these things that we call, we call them trivia, but they're, they're, so, they're so far from trivia. It's uh, concrete truth, right? Yeah. The last question you asked, Jesus, I'm, I'm in a situation, I'm worried, I'm scared, and I, I cry out to Jesus, are you who you say you are? You know, something foolish like that? Well, mm-hmm. I know the answer to what the demon said. Yeah, the, he is the son of the Most High God. And so I need to know that too, right? Being able to answer the trivia question is, is great, but the next step is how does that apply in my daily life. And that's a real challenge yeah. because when storms come in our life, we're just like the disciples, but the application is very real. Right. And those storms are the, are an opportunity for transformation. Absolutely. <laughs> to come through this and say, the... I trust Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so let, let's talk about that. How, what are, what are ways we can, you know, I said earlier, speed it along. What did I, how did I say that? How do we get the process? Moving? Yeah. This is not something that's rushed. Remember, this is God that, uh, provides the increase that uh, is the giver of all things and is in control of all these things. But there, there are things that we can do, and the scriptures tell us so. I'm, uh, right away, how do we transform minds? Well, how do you transform your mind in, in worldly things? You immerse yourself in them. Mm-hmm. So immerse yourself in the word because that, that's from God. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that. And... Uh, so I, I thought of Psalm 1 and 2, that the, 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 the blessed man, uh, he meditates on the law, and he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water whose leaf does not fade and who brings forth fruit in its season. That's right. That's the, <laughs> that sounds blessed to me, and that's because partly because he med- meditates on the word day and night. Yeah. It's not to temporarily want it. It's to deeply desire and to swim in that, you know, mentally exercise your mind in all that God has given and offered because these things are discerned, like Paul told the Corinthian church, spiritually, not carnally. Um, it's not about getting a free car. You, know, you do this, this, and this, and I'll give you money. The Lord never offers those things. This is about the salvation of your soul. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure, the song says, while the billows roll. <laughs> but that anchor never moves. And so, you know, that's huge to me. Um, you mentioned being conformed to the world and the, and the process, the way that that happens. As Christians, we are not to be conformed to anything, in, mm-hmm. as it pertains to the world, anything that is unstable and vacillating, uh, continually changing the mind, not sure what tomorrow will bring, and just making decisions based on what society thinks. Anyone who uses common sense, this is the common sense gospel, anyone who uses common sense can look to society and say, this can't be it. Yeah. I don't want to be in this for my answers. I don't want to get my answers from here. Society today is highly agitated. Society is inconsistent. It's uncertain and it's volatile. Mm-hmm. The common worldview today is ominous, Sam. The common worldview, the picture that is painted, the way we should think, being politically correct, all of it is ominous and we yes. can see it if we look and pay attention. God and his word They are the exact opposite. Malachi 3.6, the Lord says, I am the Lord, I do not change. Hebrews 13 and verse 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's reassuring to me if I'm going to pursue him because our king never changes his mind. 
He never changes the rules of truth, and he will never move the goalpost. Mm -hmm. I am to grow and to be transformed by the renewing of my mind through the holy written word of God. And the promise is sure. Now I've set my sights on something that matters eternally. And I can let society just kind of melt away. I'm supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. I can look at myself and say, do I look like the average man? The way I behave, the way that I speak. Or am I turning into something special through and by the power of God? There will be those who will conform to the world that is passing away, 1 John 2.17. They will turn away from God. We want to be numbered with those who offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. We're in the process of being transformed by the renewing of our mind through godly reverence, through our personal study, and through the meditation on his word. We've said all those things, haven't we? Yeah. That, that, that has got to be our conclusion. We are in the process of being transformed by the renewing of our mind, and this is how you do it, through godly reverence, through careful study of his word, and through a deep meditation on his word. Appreciate you listening this far. We appreciate your time. If you'd like to reach out to us, we'll remind you again. We have we have an email address, and you can you can reach us there. Drop us a note, a question, maybe a comment. That's common sense gospel at yahoo.com. I've really enjoyed this one. Uh, we look forward to being with you again. <laughs>